Daily bread and living bread. God provides both, doesn't He? We are taught to pray, give us this day our daily bread. But God also provides the living bread, Jesus, who comes to give us life. We turn this morning to Exodus chapter 16. I'm going to read verses 9 through 15. Exodus chapter 16, beginning with verse 9. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumblings. It came about as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the sons of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I've heard the grumblings of the sons of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it came about at evening that the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness there was a fine flake-like thing, fine as the frost on the ground. When the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would take now the words that you have given by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit and teach us, O God, that you are the one that provides our daily bread and, and most importantly, Lord, remind us today that you are the living bread come down from heaven that gives life to all those who would believe. For we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Have you ever learned a spiritual lesson through food. I have a friend that uh, just shortly after he was married committed the unpardonable sin of comparing his mother's cooking to his wife's cooking. <laughs> Not a good thing. First time she made uh, spaghetti. Uh, he said, Honey, when, when my mother made spaghetti, which was the very wrong way to start, he said, she cooked the noodles a little bit more than you have. Uh, her noodles weren't as chewy as yours are. So she was uh, not really ready for a comment like that. And so she said, well, she said, let's just flush it down the toilet then. And she grabbed his plate of spaghetti, walked into the bathroom, dumped it in the toilet, and flushed it right down the toilet. I wonder what spiritual lesson he learned there. <laughs> a lesson he never forgot. They laugh about it today, but it wasn't as funny when it happened, that first meal. A spiritual lesson through food, huh? Well, during the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, God taught the Israelites some important lessons, and, and some of them was, was through food or through water. In our text this morning, we, we see very clearly this uh, lesson that God taught them with the manna that He provided for them for 40 years in the wilderness. And I would suggest to you that there are a couple of lessons that we can apply to our lives today as we look at God's provision of manna. 
The first lesson is this, that God graciously provides for our needs in order to reveal His glory. God graciously provides for our needs in order to reveal His glory. People of Israel are just leaving now the the land of Egypt, and they come to a place uh, called the Desert of Sin. Um, Not as we might think of it, but it's kind of ironic that that's the name of the place because they start grumbling against the Lord. Verse 2, the whole congregation, mind you, the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And they said to them, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat, when we we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And if you are wondering how long it took for them to start complaining, all you have to do is look back at verse 1, and you will discover that it was about a month. Verse 15, or verse 1 says, The fifteenth day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt. And if you think about what the Israelites said here, there really was no good reason to complain, especially in light of what had just happened. Chapter 14, they had seen God's miraculous power and, and, and marching them through the Red Sea backed up against the Red Sea, and here was the Egyptian army, and and God provided a way to miraculously lead them through. Chapter 15, they had just witnessed God's power by making bitter water sweet. And so here they are about a month into their journey, and they wish that they had died by the plagues in Egypt. I know that being hungry can make you crabby, but (laughs) how does it happen that that you are so upset that you would rather have died by the plagues in Egypt. If you look at how God responded to the grumbling of the Israelites, you see how gracious He is. Instead of bringing judgment on them, instead of saying, is this all the thanks I get? He promised to provide for them. In verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. Matthew Henry says, Justly God might have said, I will rain fire and brimstone upon these murmurers and consume them. But quite contrary, He promises to rain bread on them. He hears the murmurings of Israel and is grieved with this generation and yet continues His care of them. That's gracious, isn't it? Your kids ever complain about food? Oh, we're having this again? Or I don't like that? Huh? What do you feel like doing? Raining bread upon them and saying, Oh, I love you? You are so special. You are so precious. Let me make your favorite food. God is gracious. And if we ask the question, why was He so gracious? At least part of the reason that we find in this text is that His purpose is to reveal His glory. God sees our needs, as one man says, as an opportunity to show us exactly who He is. 
Notice verse 6. So Moses and Aaron said to all the sons of Israel, At evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord. You will see the glory of the Lord that I can provide for you in this wilderness, in this desert. You're going to see my glory as I graciously pour down upon you, rain down upon you bread from heaven. So what should be our response when we are faced with needs beyond our own ability to meet? Instead of complaining like the Israelites did, we should view that as an opportunity for God to show His glory. We should wait in anticipation for God to act. When Hudson Taylor first went to China, it was in a sailing vessel. And very close to some cannibal islands, there was just a dead calm, and the ship started floating towards shore. And the captain came to Hudson Taylor and asked him to pray for the help of God. And Hudson Taylor said, I will, provided you set your sails to catch the breeze. And the captain thought, boy, that'd be a... a, I'd make myself a laughing stock by putting up the sails when there's absolutely no wind. But Hudson Taylor said, I'm not going to pray unless you prepare the sails, which the captain did. And while Hudson Taylor was engaged in prayer, the captain knocked at the door of his room and he said, are you still praying for wind? If you are, you better stop, he said, because we have more wind than we can imagine. Hudson Taylor believed that when he prayed, God would gloriously reveal or graciously reveal his his glory. So that's what we see here. God graciously provides for our needs in order to reveal His glory. The second lesson we learn is that God daily provides for our needs in order to teach us to trust Him. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, you know that the people of Israel had difficulty often trusting God. There were times when they would trust Him for a while, usually when things were going well, but when trouble came... It seemed like their, their trust in God's gracious provision just, just, just vanished. For example, you go, to, you go back to chapter 15 after they had been brought through the Red Sea and you see this, this, this song they sang, the song of Moses in chapter 15. Uh, a worship gathering as the people were rejoicing in what God had done. Look at verse 11. They said, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? You stretch out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. In your loving kindness, you've led the people whom you have redeemed. In your strength, you've guided them to your holy habitation. Can't you picture the the whole congregation just singing this song of praise to the Lord after what He had done? And then you come to the next chapter and just like, you've forgotten everything you sang about. You've forgotten who this God is. You are just singing of, there's no one like Him. He is majestic. He works wonders. He stretches out His hands. He provides for His people. And then the very next chapter, what are they doing? We wish we would have died in Egypt. 
You've taken us out into this wilderness just to kill us out here? God, what's, what's wrong? But God was committed to develop trust in the lives of His people. And the provision of manna was part of that process. Verse 4 says, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them, whether or not they will walk in my instruction. So God says, I'm going to give you a test. I'm going to tell you that you need to go out daily and gather manna, and I'm going to see if you trust me. Are you willing to follow my instruction in this very simple task of gathering manna every day? So the instructions were very simple. Gather it every day, except the Sabbath day. They were not to keep any of it overnight. And the day before the Sabbath day, they were to gather twice as much so that they'd have enough for the Sabbath day. Very simple instructions. But God wanted to teach them to trust Him. And there's some lessons He taught them through this manna. One lesson is that God will provide all that we need. In other words, we don't have to worry about having enough to make ends meet because God will see to it that every need is supplied. And notice how that happened here. Look at verse 16 of this chapter. This is what the Lord God has commanded. Gather of it every man as much as he should eat. You shall take an omer apiece according to the number of persons each of you has in his tent. The sons of Israel did so, and some gathered much and some little. When they measured it with an omer, he who had gathered much had no excess, and he who had gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he could eat. There it was. God gave them all that they needed, every single person, exactly as he needed. Isn't that the promise we have from God? What did Jesus say in Matthew 6? If you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, what's the promise? All these things shall be added unto you. What were those things? He was talking about food and clothing. He said, look at the birds of the air and so forth. God provides for them. He'll provide for you. Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all of your needs, right, according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God will provide all. All that we need. Can we trust Him? Absolutely. How about this? God will provide when we need it. As you consider how often the people of Israel were to gather the manna, you see the kind of trust that God wanted them to have in Him. They weren't told to gather enough manna for the month or enough manna for the week, but they were told to gather enough manna for each day. They were to go out every morning to gather their provision for that day because God wanted to teach them to live, what? A day at a time. That's a challenge, isn't it? Because we start taking chunks of time. What am I going to do this week? What about this month? How about this year? How am I going to make it? And what does Jesus say in the Lord's Prayer? Give us 
this day. Our daily bread. Jesus also said, don't worry about tomorrow. You've got enough concerns for today. Each day has enough trouble of its own. A day at a time. Give us this day our daily bread. But some of the Israelites struggled with this idea of daily provision. Look at verse 19. Moses said to them, let no man leave any of it until morning. But they did not listen to, morning, listen to Moses, and some left part of it until morning. Thinking, I suppose, you know, I'll save a little bit for tomorrow, just in case we don't get any tomorrow. And what happened, it says, it bred worms and became foul. And Moses was angry with them. Reminds me of a time when we had uh, put fish guts in the, in the garbage, and they came and got the garbage once a week. Well, we put the guts in on the day the garbage came, and by the next week there were maggots growing in that thing. And, <clears throat> probably a ghost story for a sermon, but <laughs> I came out the next morning after the garbage man had picked up the garbage, and let's just say he lost his breakfast out on the road. I mean, the, the, it, was, it was so so foul. Um that's what happened here. The manna bred worms and became foul. And Moses said, you know what? You didn't trust the Lord, did you? Moses was angry with them. And then there was another group of Israelites. They had a different problem. They had enough manna for the Sabbath day because they gathered twice as much as the day before. But instead of trusting that God would provide for the next day, they went out on the Sabbath day. And look what happened, verse 27. It came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather, but they didn't find any. And then the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath, therefore He gives you bread for two days on the sixth day. Remain every man in his place, let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So you had some that were trying to save some for the next day, and that didn't work. Then you had others that were going out on the Sabbath day trying to gather some when they had enough from the day before. It's just like they didn't quite get it, did they? You know, when we don't trust God's promise to provide for our needs, we run into problems. Either we worry ourselves sick, wondering, you know, how are we going to make it? Or maybe we try to work ourselves to death, grasping for more, saving for a rainy day when God has promised that He will provide when we need it. Another lesson, God will provide in different ways according to our need. While the people of Israel were wandering these 40 years in the wilderness, God provided manna every day. But something happened when they reached the land of Canaan. The supply of manna stopped. Look at the end of the chapter, verse 35. The sons of Israel ate the manna forty years until they came to an inhabitant land. They ate the manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And then the manna stopped because God provided for them in a different way. As they entered that prosperous land of milk and honey. That God said that He would give to them. You know, God is not limited 
as to how He provides for our needs. God has various ways to meet our needs. And God wants us to trust Him that that He will provide for us. And sometimes He provides in in surprising ways. (laughs) I think of a time when I came out of the hospital parking lot in Duluth, and I noticed someone had ran into my car and uh, crinkled the right front fender. I was looking for a note, and no, there was no note. Hit and run. So I thought, okay, great. So I called the insurance company, and I thought, okay, I've got a thousand deductibles, so it's probably going to be coming all out of my pocket. Maybe it's 500 deductible or something like that. And well, it ended up that it was a $1,500 repair, and so I took the cash, 1000 bucks, bought a fender for... 150 bucks, paid someone to paint it for 200 bucks, and I came out with like 700 bucks on the deal. I thought, okay, Lord, you, you, you have interesting ways of providing, don't you? <laughs> Wasn't expecting that. When I walked out, what was my first reaction? Oh, great. Oh, wonderful. Now someone hit my car, and i got to you know, pay for this to get fixed. And God says, you know what? I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you that I have various ways to provide for you, and you need to trust me. And after that was done, I thought, oh, Lord, here I am. Oh, me of little trust, huh? And you provided in in a way that I would have never expected. And maybe you've seen that in your life, too, various ways where you're wondering, how am I going to do this? How am I going to provide for that? And then God has His ways of raining down upon you His blessing. He's so faithful to provide. The final lesson that I think is so important, this is really the most important of all, that God will provide for our greatest need. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses recalls this test and he tells another purpose why he provided manna for them. Deuteronomy chapter 8, he's preaching a sermon. Deuteronomy is a bunch of sermons that he preached. And here's what he said in Deuteronomy 8.3. He said, He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that He might make you understand. What? That man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. In other words, although manna was a physical miracle, its purpose was to teach a spiritual lesson. We aren't just physical beings who need food to survive. We are spiritual beings who need the Word of God. We need Jesus. We need the Word who became flesh. We need the bread of life from heaven. And the scripture that was read this morning ties that together so well, doesn't it? As, as Jesus makes it clear that, that the manna that you ate in the wilderness was food for the body and, and it provided your need for a time, but you all died, they all died. But there is this bread of life from heaven. And notice how Jesus deals with this crowd of people after they had been fed. Remember the 5,000 had been fed right before this. And they were following Jesus then to get their belly full. 
John 6, 26 and 27, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. And then Jesus went on to say in verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Philip Riken, in his commentary, summarizes it in this way. He said, Jesus was moving from the physical to the spiritual, from the temporal to the eternal, from the exodus to the cross. The manna in the wilderness was another type, something from the Old Testament that pointed to salvation in Christ. The manna taught Israel to depend on God for all their needs, but it had certain limitations. It was only bread. So it could only meet physical needs, and only for a little while. As Jesus pointed out, everyone who ate manna is now dead. Nevertheless, the bread taught people to look to God for their sustenance and salvation until He sent the true and living bread from heaven. That bread came in the person and work of Jesus, who offered His body on the cross to give life to the world. Then He says this, the meaning of of the manna is that all that we need is in Jesus. The meaning of the manna is all that we need is Jesus. I don't know how hungry you are for your next meal. Maybe you had a good breakfast so you're fine for a few hours. But there's something you need more than your next meal. You need Jesus because He is the bread of life from heaven. And I want to ask you this morning, have you received the bread of life? You probably had some toast for breakfast, but have you received the bread of life? Jesus Christ, do you know Him as your Savior? Are you feeding on His Word? You don't live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is good to trust that God will provide our daily bread. And we are to pray that. Give us this day our daily bread. But it's even better, more important to trust that Jesus is the bread of life from heaven who gives eternal life to all those who put their trust in Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your provision for our physical needs today, for daily bread that You so graciously provide for us. Thank You also that You have provided so graciously a Savior for us. Jesus, the bread of life. The Word that became flesh. That dwelt among us. We've seen His glory. The only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Lord, I pray. If there's anyone here this morning that has not experienced that living bread, the bread of life, Jesus Christ, 
I pray, O God, that there would be a desire today to know Him and to receive that, that promise of life eternal, life abundant, life that is freely given because of the, the, the work of Jesus. O bread of heaven, thank you for all that you've done for us. We pray in your precious name. Amen.